0: Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au.
1: This morning, as we start talking again about what it means to be devoted, uh, the devoted life is the trusting life. There's going to be some moments that make absolute sense to you. And I know this morning that I'm speaking From the Holy Spirit to some of you here that needed to be here today because God wants to help you make sense of what makes no sense. God wants to help you today to bring to get understanding of the things that you are puzzled about. There will be some moments that you'll look at and they make absolute sense to you, and some that won't. Some look so God ordained. And then there are the other moments where we're all going around going, what the? What on earth is happening in our life? I'm gonna take you to four scenes. John's Gospel, chapter four, is scene one. And uh, turn in your Bible if you have it with you. I'll just take my time to get there. Look it up on your device if that's what you're using today. Uh, If you don't know how to get the Bible on your phone, Go see the people at Connect Hub. They know how to help you do that. This is John's Gospel, chapter 4 and verse 7. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, "'Give me a drink,' because His disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. "'The woman of Samaria said to Him, "'How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman?' For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked Him, He would have given you living water. The woman said to Him, So you've got nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well, drank from it himself as well as his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered not her question, but the deeper question she really needed the answer to. He said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him or her will become in them a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Now the woman starts to get understanding. She says, so give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. Jesus said to her, again, Jesus always goes deeper than your ordinary life. He says to her, go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I haven't got a husband. Out comes a prophetic insight. Jesus says, you have well said I haven't got a husband for you've had five. Only about you, I want to know what they all died of. Don't drink the warm milk. Anyway. And the one whom you now have is not your husband. In that you spoke truly. Again, digs down a bit deeper. And the woman says, I perceive you're a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain. She keeps on getting almost to the crux of it and then jumping out to all the objections that come up from her childhood. All the things that have puzzled her for a long while. Our fathers worshipped God on this mountain. But you Jews, you say that in Jerusalem it's the place where you got to worship. Again, Jesus starts answering the question behind the question. Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you're neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. Worship the Father. You worship what you don't know. It's all a mystery to you. You're puzzled about life. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews or starts with the Jews. But the hour is coming. And now is when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth for the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is a spirit and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to Him, now you can see it's all funneling down to the point. I know that Messiah is coming who is called Christ. When He comes, He will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, a Samaritan woman, not part of the Jewish people. A woman, not part of the the leadership group, which was all male. He says to this Samaritan woman, he said, I who speak to you am he. And says, there's a revealing here. Verse 27 says, At this point His disciples came and they marvelled that He talked with a woman. Not because she was a woman, He spoke to a lot of women. He had a mother. But they marveled that he spoke to a Samaritan woman who had a dodgy reputation. And they marveled that he talked with her, yet no one said, What do you seek or why are you talking with her? Verse 39 tells us there was immediately. Some response to that, verse 39, many of the Samaritans of that city believed in Him because of the word of the woman who testified, He told me all that I ever did. The Samaritans come to Him, they urged Him to stay with them. He stayed there two days and many more believed on Him because of His own word. I want you to see in scene one, one woman impacted by Jesus Christ, spiritually transformed turned around, reaches out to a bunch of people. Two days, Jesus remains. But watch this, Jesus leaves and no one's left behind. He doesn't leave a disciple there. He doesn't say to a group of them, by the way, this will be one of our first church plants. He just walks off and leaves these people with no follow-up, with nobody to continue any journey with them. No basis established. Now I want you to come to scene two. Turn with me to the book of Acts. Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, Acts. Acts chapter 8 and verse 1. That was scene one. One woman impacted. Reaches a bunch of friends who believe, but there's no ongoing journey. Nothing else happens. Acts 8 verse 1. Now Saul was consenting to his death. That's the death of Stephen, the first martyr. At that time, a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem. Watch this. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. This is one of those what the moments. Up until Acts chapter 8, the church is multiplying. The priests are believing. It is the most ludicrous momentum going And then persecution arises after the death of Stephen and all of the believers or many of the believers in the midst of persecution, in the midst of problem, in the midst of a challenge, in the midst of all kinds of panic and fear and all kinds of stuff going wrong, in the midst of all that where everybody is saying, what the, what happened to the blessing of God? What on earth is going on at that time? They all get scattered. Where? To Samaria. This is scene two. Let's go to verse four. Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip, not a pastor, not an apostle. He's a deacon, a helper. He delivers food to shut-ins. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles, which he did. A revival breaks out, but the beginning of it was not Philip's great preaching. Watch it. One conversation Jesus had with one woman. The seed of it was not the persecution it, that's the what the moment. But listen to me, God knows how to turn your what the moments into moments of harvest. God knows how to turn your stuff that you are scratching your head over, going what on earth is going on. God knows how to turn that into something glorious, into something wonderful, into something that'll be the talk of the town. One conversation Jesus had with one person that no one else would have given the time of day. God is watching over every seed we sow. Scene one, one person. Scene two, the crowds. But let me take you now to scene three. It's in the same chapter of the book of Acts. It's in eighth chapter. Let's go down to verse 26. Because this very same guy. Now, I think that if this was the 21st century, someone would have turned up to Samaria. All the people practicing magic arts and soothsaying and all the mediums and everybody else came with all their occult books and had a gigantic bonfire in the midst of of the Perth uh, uh, Square down there and they brought it in, and burned them all because they're so taken over by Jesus. They say, we see the false. We don't want it anymore. They absolutely surrender their lives to God. Miracles are just an everyday occurrence. All that's happening. It's amazing. All because of one guy who, when he went, said, I don't care what it looks like. I intend to bring the gospel, the good news, wherever I go. So he gets up and does all this. I don't know the rest of you here. If that was now, he would be on every talk show, certainly all the Christian ones. He'd be all you'd hear. Christianity Today would send out a reporter to interview Philip. Tell us what was the secret. How did you have a revival? He'd say, Well, you know, back there, I just, you know, in and God and moving and, and I pray, and mm, it'd be amazing. And he'd have out a book. You'd go down to Koorong, the first display you'd see, when would walk in the door would be Philip of Samaria, (laughs) secrets of overcoming revival. He'd be everywhere. So let's read scene three. Are you with me? Scene three, Acts 8, verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip saying, Arise and go towards the south along the road. The message version says the desolate road. The New International Version calls it a desert road, which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. This guy who's just been preaching to thousands upon thousands. And then the angel of the Lord says, leave the crowds and go to nowhere. All right then. He goes down the desert, the desert road. If it's a desert road, there's no one there. There's not even a cafe. There's not a truck stop. There's no Miami Bakehouse selling pies along the side of the road that everybody wants to stop for. Hello? Anybody here for Miami pies? None of that there. He's going down, dusty. The crowds, people are asking, where are you going? He goes, the Lord has told me to go to nowhere. And they go, man, we need you here. Oh, you started this thing. It's up to you to finish this thing. He says, no, God's told me to go. And so he goes down, he stands in a desert place. It's remarkable. It doesn't make any sense at all. Verse 27, I know you want to know what happens in this scene. I'm just rolling the tape. So he arose and went. I wish I had time to tell you here about the end of it because the end of it, watch this. At the end of it, he's translated by the Holy Spirit to the next place. But he had to walk first to the place of obedience. I don't have time to go into that one. You'll have to think about that for yourself. So he arose and went, And behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all of her treasury. That's someone worth knowing. They got the purse strings of the entire country. He'd come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning. Philip standing out on a desert road. No one's there. All of a sudden, clip, clop, clip, clop. Sound of a Lamborghini. V12. (coughs) Comes down the road. Down there, the throaty exhaust pumping out. Top is down. He looks over there and there's an Ethiopian cruising down the road. Woohoo. But he stops. And then Philip hears the Holy Spirit say this to him Where am I up to? Verse 28. He's reading Isaiah the prophet. Then the Spirit said to Philip, Go near and overtake this chariot. Mind if I join you? Come on in, he says to a stranger standing in the middle of a desert road. Jump in. He leaps over the door sitting in the comfortable calf leather, white seats, hand upholstered. He sits there and he says to the guy, what are you reading? Don't you know you shouldn't be reading while you're driving? He says, I'm reading the book of Isaiah. And I love this passage because Philip leaves a crowd that everyone knows his name. And he leaves a crowd and goes and stands on a deserted road and God sends along one person and says, that's why you're here. And he leads this man to Christ. He ends up getting baptised. Now that doesn't make any sense, except if you Google Ethiopia, you'll discover that statistically Ethiopia today is the most Christian country on planet earth. 86% 86% of Ethiopia says they are followers of Christ because one man chose obedience over applause because one man said, you know what? I'm devoted to Jesus, not my ministry. I'm devoted to Christ, not the opinions of everybody else. What a remarkable thing. Let me take you to scene four, the last one. Acts chapter 16, same book. Let's just go over a couple of pages. Acts 16 verse four. And this is Paul and Silas. And uh, uh, as they went through the cities, they delivered to them the decrees to keep. I want you to watch this if you're reading along with me. Which were determined by the apostles and elders at Jerusalem. Watch this next verse. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and increased in number daily. Paul is going through all these places that he's been and the growth is leaping up another whole notch. It's becoming ludicrous. It's like whatever they touch, whoosh, it just blossoms and blooms and goes on in an incredible way. If you're on that kind of role, you know what you think happens next. You go, woohoo. We can't lose. we got the spiritual as touch. Everything we touch turns to gold. Verse 6, And when they had gone through Phrygia, it was a cold place, and the region of Galatia, just making sure you're listening, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. And we go from woohoo to what the? The Holy Spirit says no. And He doesn't say, but by the way. He just says no. What do you do when God just says no? Most of us go, are you sure? How about we have a try anyway? That's how you end up with Ishmael's. That's how you end up with works of the flesh that oppress you the rest of your life. huh? When God says no, well, after that, they'd come to Mysia. They tried to go into Bithynia. But the spirit didn't permit them, and you're going. Doesn't God love Bithynia? What's the matter with Bithynias anyway? Have we got any Bithynians here today? Well, I'm just checking. I don't know. There's people from every nation, so I'm figuring one day someone's going to walk in here. I'm going to say, "Where are you from?" They say, "I'm from Bithynia." I'm going to go, "Wow, you are the product of Paul's obedience." Listen, you are the product of, God, of Paul's obedience to a no. We are so much preaching about yes, not much about no. But sometimes God's going to say, not now. Sometimes God's going to say, not that person. Sometimes God's going to say, that's not the door I have for you. Wow. It doesn't make sense. But we know many of us, the rest of the story, even though the Holy Spirit said no to Bithynia, That night he has a dream and a man from Macedonia says, come and help us. By the way, I should tell you, and this is just history. This is not uh, a Bible reference. It's just history. You can go and look it up. Bithynia was so impacted that Pliny, the governor of that region, later reported this about Bithynia in writing, historical document. The temples are almost deserted the sacrificial rituals have been completely interrupted. All because one man had obedience to a no. But God said, I've got someone else. It's their door. It's not your door. Are you with me here? Scene one is all about going to the one. Here's what the Holy Spirit is saying. I'm going to finish with this. Number one, don't despise the ones in your world. Jesus talks to one woman that no one else will give even the time of day to. And everybody went away going, what was that about? Jesus, you never followed it up. You never did anything. Can I tell you some of the things in our vision that as a church, because I'm not for vision moments in the sense of going, I'm just going to announce it. Some of the things have been going for years and there's a goal in mind. But some of them are going to take some time and some of them are all about waiting for the ones and some of them don't make any sense. Don't despise the ones in your world. God might have you talk to someone and you go, what was that about? Who are they anyway? Don't be a Christian who's always looking for who can help you. Number one, don't despise the ones in your world. Number two, be the one who obeys. I do not know what else could be more important than to say to every believer, do what He says. The first miracle, the turning of the water into wine, came because one woman, Jesus' mother, said the most profound thing she ever uttered, apart from the yes to the angel. She said, whatever He says to you, do it. Number three. Your present obedience will have future impact beyond what you can imagine. This morning we spoke about transform. I remember the conversation still, Mark. I remember where we were. I remember the restaurant we sat in, the cafe, and you said to me, I just want to do something to help kids that have no help. And so we had a casual conversation. I didn't have any idea. I don't know if you did. I don't know if there was some bursting vision of 10,000 plus people in an Asian nation, the fifth most corrupt and the sixth poorest on the planet. I don't know if that was in there or if it was just simply saying, I know I've got to do something. Let me be the one who obeys. And now... We get together and everyone all around the world, they're patting you on the back and saying, that's amazing. We've never seen the life check. I've never heard John Bevere. I've never heard anything like that in my entire life. That's the most amazing. And that's all great. But what I want to celebrate today is not everyone's celebration. What I want to celebrate is your obedience in the beginning. But let me say to all of you here, what's God asking you to do today that you look at and go, what the? Really? That doesn't make any sense. Your present obedience will have future impact beyond what you can imagine. Here's number four, last one. Don't be fixated on a closed door. Look for the door that's your door that God's opening for you. This much I know about God. Team, please come. This much I know. Not every door is my door. It's taken me a long while, I think, to think I've learned it. Not even sure how much I have. But I've tried to learn that, God, You haven't called me to run that person's race. You haven't asked this church to be that church. You've given us our lane to run in. And maybe there's a door that's not opening. Don't stand there going, Yeah, but I want that door. Don't waste all your energy praying about a door that's closed. Lift up your eyes. I, I Last night was thinking again about that Scripture in John's Gospel, John 4, 35, where Jesus said, lift up your eyes and look. Don't pray, lift up your eyes and look. Open your eyes, start looking around about you. There's people all around our world right now that are hopeless, that are filled with fear. We of all people do not want to add to that. We want to be the one who obeys God. Amen. We want to have a present obedience that's going to produce amazing future impact in our life and in our world. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together for a minute. Just stand with me everywhere. Stand with me for a minute just in the presence of God. I feel today like... This was a message for some people particularly here that God is speaking to you. Some of you here are hearing the Holy Spirit say to you today, you're on the right track. Don't worry about what everybody else thinks. How many people, you know, that's what you're hearing the Holy Spirit say to you today. You're on the right track. You're on the right track. Lots of hands go. Some of you here, you're hearing the Holy Spirit say, I know you don't know. But I do, trust me. How many people is that that's your D.I.? You don't know, thank you. But I do, but I do. Some of you here that are looking at what God's asked you to do and going, some people here are saying, does it really matter? And God's saying, watch what I do with what you're obeying me in. So I just want us to take a minute, stand before God and say to the Lord, it's your amazing love. Is that what you're playing? Your amazing love. Is that the one that we sing? No, it was Maker. That's the one we can sing? Yes. Yeah, cool. Thank you. I want us just to stand before God. Can we do this right where you are and just say, Lord, what do you want me to do? I'm here for you. Oh God, I, my greatest joy in life will be that I said yes to you. Not once, but at every decision moment I said yes to you. My greatest privilege will be that you took my obedience and turned it into blessing for others' lives. Come on, let's just sing it one time through. Thank you. Thanks, that mm,
0: Even when I don't see it, you're working. It's even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. It's even when I don't see it, you're working when I don't feel it you're working you never stop you never stop working you never stop you never stop working see when I don't see it you work see when I don't feel it you're working you never stop you never stop working you never stop you never stop working see when I don't see it you're working
1: this morning we we bring all of our don't knows to the one who knows all we say Lord we want to be obedient to you we trust you more than we trust our perspective more than we trust our judgment somehow or other you make everything work out for good to those who love God and are called according to His purpose We're so excited, Jesus, about what our obedience in the past is producing in our todays. But we're even more excited about what our today obedience is going to produce in our tomorrows. We're grateful for that in Jesus' name.